ever find yourself stuck in the middle of the sea? I'll sail the world to find you. If you ever find yourself lost in the dark and you can't see, I'll be the light to guide you. Find out what we're made of when we are called to help our friends in need. You can count on me like one, two, three. I'll be there, and I know when I need it, I can count on you like four, three, two, and you'll be there. Cause that's what friends are supposed to do, oh yeah Ooh, ooh, ooh. You're listening to WVEWLP, Brattleboro 107.7 FM, your community radio station, also streaming live online at WVEW.org. This is Indigo Radio every Sunday at 1 p.m., and we also replay on Mondays at 2 p.m. We are a group of educators seeking to learn through engaging with others in our community and throughout the world. You can also find us on Instagram and on Twitter. Our shows are recorded and will be uploaded to our SoundCloud and iTunes. The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the hosts and guests, not the radio station. This is Anna for Indigo, and I work with the Spark Teacher Institute here in Southern Vermont, and I am currently teaching public health at Clark University in Worcester, Mass. Today on the show, four of my undergraduate students host the show, sharing their knowledge on depression amongst college students and why depression should be understood as a public health issue. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Aaron McInerney, and I am a sophomore year student at Clark University. Hello, my name is Elian Rosa, and I'm a sophomore at Clark University, too. Hi, I'm Emma Cheney. I'm a senior at Clark University. Hi, I'm Ayman Khan. I'm a senior at Clark University. Uh, We're here to talk today about depression as a public health issue. Um, So first, we're just going to talk about what is depression specifically through a public health lens. So according to the American Psychiatric Association, uh, depression is a common and serious medical illness that negatively affects how you feel, the way you think, and how you can act. Depression can also cause feelings of sadness or lose of interest in activities that you once enjoyed. And um, especially when talking um, about college students, it's been uh, proven, we have a couple of studies um, that show that Depression is much more prevalent in younger populations, about 18 to 25, so around university students. So it affects different demographics um, differently. Um, few of our questions focus on uh, how the COVID-19 pandemic uh, affected the students' mental health. And according to World Health Organization, the COVID-19 triggered 25% increase in prevalence of anxiety and depression worldwide. Yeah, and I think um, if we want to talk specifically about like agent host um, environment model, um, university students, especially in the pandemic, are in a unique position. 
if you're thinking about the agent being depression or anxiety and then the host being the college student, um, we're living in a unique environment, right? Communal living spaces, a lot of us are far from home. Um, a lot of us work local jobs, jobs that we need to stay in our education. Um, and so shutdowns, especially campus shutdowns, um, can be very anxiety-inducing um, and lead to depression among college students because of our unique um, living situation. What could um, Clark have done during the pandemic that would have helped your mental health? I think Clark could have reduced the workload because I have depression and I also have um, anxiety. So I feel like Clark should have reduced the workload. And that's like the main thing for me because I find it hard managing so much. That's why I'm moving around. So what was your experience of class through Zoom during the COVID lockdowns in comparison to in-person classes? Um, it was kind of like, it was kind of a mixed bag, honestly, because like in one regard, I like was at a point in my academic career where I was like struggling with a lot of mental health things. So I like was struggling to like regularly go to class at all in the first place. So like in a weird way, Zoom classes kind of helped with that because like I could just go to the class without having to like go anywhere which was nice so like for the first semester we were on zoom all of my like I got A's in all my classes for like the first time ever because I would just like hyper fixate on the computer and like do the thing and I wouldn't have to go anywhere and so like that was like good like in a weird way at first and then it very quickly devolved into like oh well like it's not real like it was cool that I didn't have to go anywhere at first and then it very quickly turned into like it's not real and if I don't open my computer it's not real and it can't hurt me so I didn't open my computer and like just like it was a lot easier to like slip away from and like have like nobody notice I think in terms of like classes the only sad part was like I never got to say goodbye to my teachers I never got to visit the school again like just completely like gone so it, it was mentally I'm still grappling with the fact that my school closed and that was two years ago but in my head it closed a year ago um, so that, that was just very hard. It's still very hard to like grapple with. Um, cause like you kind of just turn off your laptop at the end of the day and that's your last day of school. I would go to sleep really late cause there was just so much homework. And then like, I would take naps and I never take naps. Like I hate naps. I don't even nap like right now. Like I don't nap in college. Mm -hmm. Um, so like, that was a really interesting transition. And then um, no, no social interaction with teachers. Didn't really see my friends until like later on. And I didn't see my friends until October, of, October of 2020. So that's a bit later. And I didn't. Um, that brings up a good point about the impact of the environment um, on um, depression in college students. Um, it's seen, we've seen that whether or not you're, we're in COVID times, students are stressed and overworked. And um, a lot of times um, depressed students are also very alienated. Um, but these factors don't just exist in a void. They are largely due to um, like structural factors. How did your mental health affect your academics and social life? So my mental health has really affected my academics and social life. Like my academics, it's made me switch so much about what I want to, my major so much, because some days I feel like, oh, I love my major. Some days I feel like, oh, I hate my major. So 
it's made me switch so many times and it's made and it's made me to graduate later like i'm supposed to be graduating next spring but i'm graduating next fall instead because my mental health has been affected made me skip a whole semester and the system above expects you to do that overwork and expects you to do that crunch or doesn't step in and see when you're doing it to yourself and say hey stop yeah step back yeah, thank you. Um, so those are systems we need to look at, especially in academics. My um, mental health is very related to academics. So I recently got diagnosed with ADHD and got on medication, which has been wonderful. Um, but all freshman year, especially starting out, no longer having that rigid structure of high school just destroyed my ability to learn and do anything. I just couldn't get anything done. And I felt like I was like a failure and like I should just drop out. Um, and that really just spiraled down, especially like not knowing why like feeling broken but not knowing why at least for me like I, I feel very guilty like even if I know like hey like I physically can't do this assignment right now like it's not going to be good for me I should just not do it like even if I know that was a good decision for my mental health like I still feel extremely guilty mm -hmm. and I feel like failure I feel, especially because I'm at college you know I'm paying to be here I'm taking classes I'm very interested in and I'm very I'm genuinely passionate about um, learning um, but sometimes, you know, just things don't work out and for a myriad of reasons. And, uh, it just comes with a lot of guilt, which is really difficult. And, uh, it's hard to manage those expectations, especially if you feel alone. I was talking to one of my theater teachers and I was talking to him and I was like, we shouldn't be making this precedent of like, Hey, like you should just like, you should just keep working and working and working and working. And his whole thing was he said, like, oh, well, I'm happy when I'm just constantly working. Like, I want to just constantly be working. I'm like, that's great for you, but this is a college. We need to teach people that, like, they don't, that we shouldn't, we shouldn't be, as a college and as an educational facility, we should be teaching people that, like, that shouldn't be something we should prioritize. We should never prioritize work over our, our mental or physical health. Everybody's hard work looks different. Everybody's work looks different in general, and just because your work doesn't look the same as, like, the person beside you doesn't mean that you put effort in, like, doesn't mean that you didn't put effort and that you didn't put, like, you know, time into it. It's, like, if your physical or your mental health um, isn't good, isn't in the right place, um, that affects your learning. You can't learn if you're having a severely depressive episode. You can't learn if you're sick with COVID. And so we need to emphasize learning and a student's ability to learn over, like, completing the check marks in the book like you do have to complete the check marks you have to complete the assignments mm -hmm. whatever but like we have to prioritize that like our health over um getting them done at a specific time or at a specific rate and as long as they're done like the learning is complete that is i think what the goal should be adding to that one of like the main factors would be like the structure as uh, emma mentioned but it's just the the fact of the period of a transition from adolescence to adulthood when you come to college can be a very psychological and psycho, psychosocial distress. So if we're thinking about the first, um, or us, like as second year students, um, when we came to Clark, it was just um, very stressful because in my case, I came from Puerto Rico, which in my 11th and 10th, 11 and 12th grade, um, all of my classes were online and then when I came to Clark they were all in person but with masks so it's just that whole transition uh could be very stressful um 
Yeah, I know for me, as someone who was recently diagnosed with ADHD and spent my entire freshman year not on medication, that switch from the highly rigid, like structured um, high school experience to the much more like free form, do your work outside of class style of university uh, was really hard for me. Um, and I feel like there was definitely some support in that aspect of like adapting to like knowing how to like control your free time and like get your workload done like on a proper schedule. Um, but I feel like there wasn't enough and especially not for people um, like me who have ADHD or other um, learning disabilities. That's yeah, that's true. Um, in addition, um, the transition to college can be really difficult for first generation students, which will relate to the study that I'll talk about. Um, first generation students are more likely to have a disability, more likely to be an immigrant, more likely to hold a low income status, and they're more likely to have a delayed start into college after high school. Um, a lot of these factors um, that make first generation students vulnerable are not under the control of that student. Um, and that can affect their ability to successfully transition into college. What do you wish you knew before starting your college journey? And what advice would you give to the new incoming students? Um, I wish I knew that college is a lot of work. And I wish I knew that you kind of have to know your interests and what you want to do. Because when I when I entered college, I was confused about, I'm still confused about what I want to do. Like, I'm not sure. So I just wish I knew exactly like I wish I even took some time off and decided what I wanted to do before entering college because now I just keep on switching my majors and switching what about what I want to do during my junior year I dropped my psych major then I've added it back again with studio art so I just wish I narrowed down what I'm interested in because I entered college undecided so I wish I I knew what I wanted to do. And anybody who is coming in, I would advise them that they should have what they, they should have a plan of what they want to do. When I came to Clark, I was completely alone. Like I, making friends, like a best, best way to describe it, like interacting classmates, very anxious and very lonely because I didn't feel comfortable in my own skin to talk to the white girl next to me. Like she seemed like she knew that entire circle next to her. So it was like, then what? And then I couldn't talk to the POCs because they they had their own little circle because of, you know, ACE and connections and everything before that. So I was just kind of in the middle. My two white friends also transferred um, at the end of my freshman year at Clark. So now I don't have any friends. Um, very long story. But so, yeah, very anxious and lonely and stressful, isolating. It's it's hard to interact with people who don't look like you or come from the same upbringings. I I definitely felt the seasonal depression thing. I, I wasn't homesick because I didn't really like my family. Like I wasn't homesick from my family. I was homesick from friends and San Francisco itself. Mm -hmm. um, so just dealing with a lot of that. Now that you're talking about um, mental issues, um, what are some ways that you typically cope uh, with stress or depression yeah um that's a great question because only recently have I just dis discovered that I might be a little like depressed in terms of lonely like my social life not having friends um and everything so that has been very difficult this semester 
um, in terms of like learning how to navigate that. And then stress itself, I work, uh, last, last school year, I worked four jobs. This year, I work two on-campus jobs and like a part-time job for the bank. So I work 20 hours for the bank a week. And then my clerk jobs are like an extra 10 hours. So it's just very stressful doing those. So I wake up early in the morning to do the bank job because it's in SF and then clerk jobs are just whenever I can. I used to manage my stress by hanging out with friends because um, I'm a very like friend oriented person, community oriented person. Um, I love photography. I would want to say that photography is a stress rel relieving thing, but I have to be inspired to do that. And in order for me to be, feel inspired, I need to not feel lonely. Um, and I'm currently lonely, so I have no friends. So it's just this entire cycle. Uh, so those used to be my like creative ways or just socializing um, used to be my ways of coping. How well did you adapt to the college environment as a freshman? Well, so I I went to a lot of different colleges because I had I I had a really hard time with my mental health in mm -hmm. high school, and I had to go to a couple. Uh, residential treatment centers so I was very used to living away from home mm -hmm. and so like it's not new for me um and I like academically I did very well my first semester socially it was actually a lot harder than I thought it would be mm -hmm. um I had a falling out with a friend group mm -hmm. and it was just hard for me to find friends um so I had like it was interesting trying to find connections so I, I felt a little bit isolated but academically mm -hmm. I was fine yeah I definitely relate to the isolation aspect of it for me. Um, I was very excited to move away from home in my hometown because a lot of my like depression in high school revolved around like being closeted and is in the environment I was in and I was very excited to be mm -hmm. in a liberal arts college and that kind of did it when I actually got here. It didn't really align with the like fantasy I had in my head, <laughs> just the people I was around and just like for myself, I was still having a difficult time. So socially, uh, it was difficult um, for me and that definitely affected my mental health a lot. Mm -hmm. um, but I was also grateful to like have some distance from my hometown. Yeah, totally. That's really interesting because for me, I know, especially what you said, um, I for me, it was a lot of the academics that I had a hard time with. Like it was less the social aspect and more the transition from like the highly structured high school to like the much less structured like college and like university mm -hmm. and like I like, wasn't doing great in class and so that kind of spiraled but just having that other perspective is interesting. Do you feel there's a good transition program for freshmen um, here at Clark and did you like feel supported transitioning like um, here from college? I got to Clark I think two days early than all the other freshmen because I have dyslexia, and so there's an accessibilities program. Mm -hmm. So I I entered um, a couple days early just so that they would show me the ropes. It was a bunch of different kids they were showing the ropes. Um, and, I mean, it's, uh, it's good that they kind of, like, show kids around uh, and then have the smaller groups, but I still think that, like, I wish... It was interesting because, like, part of the time, part, part of, like, the intro stuff, I was like, oh, I wish I could go do my own thing. And then part of it, it was like, oh, like, I wish I had hung out with different people. Mm -hmm. Because um, at least I found that, like, with when they're first introducing you, they have you in, like, your peer mentor groups. And you kind of just stick with them for a while. Mm -hmm. Like, I wish that there, there is there is a pretty big emphasis on, like, hey, like, join clubs. Hey, do this and that. But, like, I wish there was a bigger emphasis on, like, really trying new things and really mixing and mingling. I felt like mm -hmm. it was very kind of, like, 
oh, like, you have your peer mentor groups and also do other stuff, you know? Yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of the peer mentor groups, but I will also say that I did, I did have a pretty depressing first semester, and I did appreciate the, like, forced, like, go talk to people for 15 mm-hmm. minutes, because sometimes that would really be my only social interaction for, like, the day of that small period. Um, but I didn't really uh, enjoy it so much. Um, I mean, I was lucky. I had a very good peer mentor who, like, helped us out a lot, but it wasn't because of the structure of the system. It was more because of that individual. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't particularly become, like, super close with uh, most of the people in my group. Um, and then for me, orientation was extremely overwhelming. I was so burnt out. I, I felt like I was in high school, but, like, the kind of high school where I would show up an hour early and stay six hours late, Mm -hmm. uh, which was not a good time. So I was just very overwhelmed uh, meeting so many people and, like, not making real connections. Like, it's a very weird, because it's, like, um, you're going to live with all these people, Mm -hmm. but it's also, like, like, uh, making arts and crafts together. Like, it was was very, like, superficial, I guess. Mm And um, so I didn't really feel like I was making any real connections, even though I was interacting with a lot of people, which was like a little cognitive dissonance. What would you, what advice would you give to incoming students? It doesn't have to be specifically about the counseling services. Um, In addition, you could think about what do you wish you knew before starting your college journey? For sure. I would stress to like get out of the gate and like, like, make relationships with your professors, like, to the best of your ability. I know that not every professor is, like, you know, the kind of person that, like, is open to that. But, like, for the most part, most professors, like, by and large, are, like, very willing to work with you at, like, whatever point you're at. And, like, I know that a lot of my issue is that, like, I get stuck in, like, the fear that they won't be. So then I don't ever say anything, and I just, like, like, silently, like, struggle and fail the class. Whereas, like, you know, like, most teachers, like, even if you are doing bad, like, they want you to be there. Even if you don't have the assignment done, they still want you to be there because, like, that's how you get further behind is when you, like, don't, like, you know, don't do the work and then don't show up because you're afraid because you didn't do the work. But, like, most professors, by and large, like, want you to be present and want you to succeed. And so, like, they will help you with wherever you're at. You just, like, have to ask. And, like, I know that, like, it's hard for people to ask a lot of the time, but, like, that's, like, really, like, the one thing that I wish I knew sooner because, like, I feel like I would have been able to do a lot better if I just had, like, been less afraid to, like, be like, hey, I'm not doing great. What do you wish you knew before starting your college journey? And what advice would you give to the new incoming students? Um, I wish I knew that college is a lot of work. And I wish I knew that you kind of have to know your interests and what you want to do because... When I, when I entered college, I was confused about, I'm still confused about what I want to do. Like, I'm not sure. So I just wish I knew exactly, like I wish I even took some time off and decided what I wanted to do before entering college because now I just keep on switching my majors and switching what about what I want to do. During my junior year, I dropped my psych major, then I've added it back again with studio art. So I just wish I narrowed down what I'm interested in because I entered college undecided. So I wish I I knew what I wanted to do. And anybody who is coming in, I would advise them that they should have 
what they they should have a plan of what they want to do so that they won't be confused. Back to the pandemic for a second. A lot of college students, especially juniors and seniors, um, had a lot of anxiety about their future and how the pandemic and the shutdowns made it really hard to plan um, due to like college shutdowns, loss of education, or just like not knowing what the future and like job market and everything is going to hold for you um, or when the pandemic is going to end. So that was definitely um, a stressor on older college students when the pandemic hit was how are you going to plan for the life ahead of you that you thought wasn't going to be that big of a deal and now it really, really is. Is there anything else we want to add about depression as a public health issue? What does a public issue mean will be a good question. Like, Mm -hmm. in my case, a public health issue is just a problem that affects a big group. So we can just even take the simplest example of when we decided to do this podcast. I believe it was pretty easy to find someone to interview that you know that has experienced depression or has depression. So the mere fact that it was very easy to find someone, it's it makes me aware of like, it is a public issue. I don't know if that makes sense. The, the yeah, like this issue is so common that mm-hmm. it makes it a public issue. Then after the pandemic, it has just like been worse. Um, yeah, I actually have some statistics on that. So depression and anxiety um, scores were already higher in um, college age demographics, even before the pandemic. Um, so from my study, they gave depression at 11% of people our age and anxiety at 15%. Um, so even before the increases from the pandemic, college students were already much higher than the general population in um, amount of depression and anxiety. Um, so having that more at risk population that needs more, I don't know, protection, I guess, I think definitely contributes to it being a public health issue um, that needs to be regarded with like legislation or like university like changes. So, yeah. Um, one thing that Erin said that also brought my attention to the statistics that said that um, um, it's a public health issue and it needs awareness because it's increasing. Like um, one of the studies that I found said the severe depression among college students rose from 9.4% to 21% from 2013 to 2018, and it's still going up. So it definitely needs an awareness. I think another way to know that the primary discourse around uh, depression is not a public health uh, discourse is because they kind of resort to blaming the victim. So a lot of times the thing people hear is, oh, you need to go to therapy, you need to do this, you need to do that, making it seem like the responsibility of like, um, that you're responsible for the conditions that led to your mental health problems and that you are also therefore responsible for fixing those problems. Looking at it from a public health perspective allows us to kind of stop blaming the victim for their experiences and look at the actual structures that affect people's health. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of either neurotypical or just like mentally well people have that sort of mindset of like, just get out of bed, go exercise, eat better, and like you'll feel better. But what they don't realize is that when you are having a depressive episode or really depressed, like that's that's physically and mentally impossible. Like you cannot do that without previous help and sometimes that's meds sometimes that's therapy sometimes that is someone close to you reaching out being worried about you um 
and yeah, so just that mindset of like, just do it and you'll feel better doesn't work for people with depression. Um, and I think a lot of neurotypical people don't really understand that. Like negative side effects, I'm putting that in quotations, of like, of mental health. Mm-hmm. Like people will see like symptoms of mental health and they'd be like, oh, why? Like I've literally had... Like, when I was, like, really in the thick of, like, trying to manage my self-harm and not really understanding it, I'd gotten out of treatment, and one of my friends was, like, looked at me and was, like, why can't you just stop? Like, just stop. Like, 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 why, like, you are making yourself do this longer. Like, why, like, it was very, like, it was, the fault was put on me and the blame was put on me. And there's also a lot of shame around, like, um, like, the whole thing of, like, oh, like, how could you do that? Like, really? You just did that? Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a lack of understanding of, like, typically when people go to far extremes, it is not them wanting to. It's them not knowing what else to do. It is, mm-hmm. it is and it can, be, it can be a cry for help. It can be trying to manage their own emotions. It can be just literally looking for answers. Mm-hmm. But people always take it as, like, a... Well, why, like, why do you have to do that? It always comes from a very shameful approach. So for me, my depression affects my motivation severely. Mm-hmm. And so, um, like, in high school, this would manifest of, like, I could not do my homework. Like, I just could not do my homework. And so there would be, like, the entirety of ninth grade, I did no homework. And so, like, uh, but, like, and it would also manifest in being, like, um, like, I just wouldn't take showers. Like, I would go days and days and days without taking showers, and I wouldn't brush my teeth. And I've gotten, like, I've gotten a lot better. Like, I do my laundry once a week now. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I do my best to take, like, showers every so often. We're going to the gym, so, like, that mm-hmm. helps me keep, keep on schedule showers. But, like, one, I know this is gross, but, like, one habit that's still really hard on me because, hard on me because of my depression and because I've never really had, I haven't had a habit of it for years, is brushing my teeth. Mm-hmm. Like, brushing my teeth for me is very hard to do. Mm-hmm. Just because it's, like, it takes... It just, for me, like, it takes a lot of motivation to be, like, okay, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go do this thing, and I'm gonna go do it, and I was, like, I just, like, and it's just, like, there's, like, this thing called spoon theory, and it's, like, it's, like, I don't have enough spoons at the end of the day to brush my teeth, and it's, like, how do I, it's, it's very difficult, because, like, how do I explain to somebody who's neurotypical and never had depression that there are just certain things that I just don't have the energy for? Like, sometimes mm-hmm. if I don't have the energy for it at the end of the day, I'll just sleep in the clothes I was wearing yeah. today. Absolutely. And it's, like... It's very hard because most people are like, well, why can't you just do that? And it's like, I just don't, I literally don't have the energy. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'll, I'll slightly explain spoon theory. But spoon theory is like, imagine that everybody has 20 spoons they can use throughout the day to do tasks. And like each task takes a spoon. Mm-hmm. And like people with depression might only have 12 spoons or people with ADHD or like people with some sort of neurodivergency might have less spoons. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it might take more spoons to do certain things. And so by the end of the day, while somebody's like, oh, I still have spoons to brush my teeth and change my clothes, it's like, I've, I'm already in negative spoons. I do not have the energy to do this. Absolutely. So it's like, but it's very hard to explain to somebody, like, with these simple tasks, like, why I can't do them. Because sometimes they're just aren't words. Um, going off from what Emma said um, earlier, it uh, reminded me of the, our discussions at um, public health class of how, like, um, just looking at the issue and, like, the treating the people that are currently going through that won't fix the issue. We have to look at what's causing it. We have to make interventions for that. Yeah, I agree on um, that front that like adding more like availability for like counseling services at schools or like adding more therapists and stuff is like great. But if you're not looking at like 
your school's like academic structure or like social structure and seeing how that affects students' mental health, the problem's not going to go away. You're basically putting a band-aid on a bullet hole, right? Um, so I agree with you, I mean, that they do have to move beyond to like address the structures that are causing it and not fix it after the fact. I think you brought up an interesting point about looking at the actual like academic structure of things. I wrote a point about the rigor involved of college. And I think it was um, Jillian's article that had mentioned um, students just being, just with like students being really stressed out due to the amount of work that they have to do and feeling like they have too much to get done. Um, and how I started asking myself, why is college so hard? Why does it have to be this hard if it's making everyone or if it's contributing to you know so many people's depression and bad mental health? And what I came to is that these narratives around like rigor and working hard are um, kind of rel like related to the like Protestant work ethic. And um, at the end of the day, colleges are elite institutions and elite institutions need to be rigorous to like feed into these myths of meritocracy. So when we think about like the most exclusive schools they are also oftentimes the most rigorous and it is meant to be kind of a status symbol that you went there in the first place. So it kind of made me question why college needs to be so difficult in the first place. Adding to what Emma said, um, when I was like listening to the different student interviews that um, we had, I remember that one of the person um, said that she felt guilty because she was not doing her homework, but at the same time, she knew that she needed a break. So it's just this constant pressure that we have of like working hard to achieve what you want is very embedded in our heads since we're in high school. And I, if I'm not mistaken, I think Erin talked about that. In yeah, we did talk about that, how you have a lot of working to get done and you haven't done it or like you feel like you procrastinated you can get a lot of guilt and a lot of shame um about that and even if you're in a bad place like it's hard to realize when you need a break for some of us i think it's hard for some of us to realize when we're in a bad place or like accept that we are like depressed or like anxious or something like that and so we feel like because we aren't able to do this work or haven't done it yet that that is a personal failing on our part um, and we feel like ashamed for it or guilty for it. Um, and that can feed into that depression and anxiety. Destigmatizing mental health and moving away from that like productivity is everything, capitalist Protestant work ethic mindset, um, I think will be really helpful for people's mental health, especially in like university. Like you take your wrist, the mic take your life, and it's like now.
I feel so selfish But the drug abuse and all the death wishes Didn't even get to spend the day with you on Christmas But hey, that's life And people get separated Not intentionally But my family's torn apart and I hate it Life is so sacred Love me like the sky loves the stars You can make it Take this world You can hold it in your palms Happy with you every day So I'ma sing it in a song I love you and I wish that I could take your pain away I think about you every night I think about you every day And I don't call cause it hurts And that's how I deal with problems Act like they don't exist And the universe will solve them And that's why you understand Exactly what you're going through I know you cut hella deep But to sleep with the truths That are hard to accept Only make it that stronger Living in denial Ain't an option any longer Life is so amazing Hoping one day you can see it Yo, I used to have your same mind state And now I'm heated That the world is so cold That it turns our hearts to ice And I know I'm not the best At giving out advice But I gotta let you know How I'm feeling Cause I care And if you left before me The pain I couldn't bear Cause you One of the people I love most On this planet And you One of the people That have been taken for granted It's sad and I'm sorry This was a wake up call Not only for yourself But for the rest of us all And I ain't gonna lie I'm scared you got me worried Life passes so fast Why we living in a hurry For vision that's blurry And temporary numbness It's no wonder we can't grasp reality It's fun when the problems go away And the depression's deterred But then you coming down feeling Feeling what's the word Wordless Like you're on the earth with no purpose Like you really don't deserve this Hold up, let me reword this Yo, when I'm sober And it's over And I'm older God damn it, I feel like dying But under no stress With the cold breath And the cold sweats Sometimes I still feel like dying You gotta live life To find your purpose You gotta work hard And when it comes you can be like I deserve this so um, what Julian said earlier about her interview that she had uh, that her interview had like so much work that she was so overwhelmed and then, like uh, it leads to feeling of uh, guiltiness, which in Marticle said that, you know, how that uh, like workload and how all that uh, affect our self-esteem and self-criticism and low assertiveness and uh, reliance and when and when that makes us exhausted, it just so miserable. It gets so miserable for students, um, and then it's impossible for them to function. Which um, in I think it was Emma's interview uh, interview with the that how she is her schedule is so packed and she has so much work that she's getting behind. Like she doesn't know where to start from. So another report that I found um, for this project is the one by Kibi, Fedorenko, and Ferris. It'll be down in our citations on our paper. And um, it was a study on a group of several hundred college students um, from a COVID hotspot in New Jersey from April, I believe. It's either April or March of the COVID-19 pandemic. So right at the beginning in the hotspot and one of the highest points of infection rates in the U.S., And they found from interviewing these students about their anxiety, depression level, health anxiety, based on factors of like whether they had symptoms or not, or whether they had someone in their like close circle or a family member who had tested positive. Um, They found that health anxiety was the most elevated factor um, at 30.3% of the um, recipients. And depression was next with 25.4. And lastly was just general anxiety um, at 22.3%. Um, now keep in mind that these like depression and anxiety scores, um, were already higher 
in university students pre-pandemic, so we should expect pretty high numbers um, after the pandemic. But pre-pandemic, depression was at an 11 and anxiety was at a 15. Um, so a decent increase uh, post-pandemic. Uh, another significant factor they found was that female students um, were at greater risk um, for anxiety, depression, and health anxiety, uh, which is supported by previous research on the difference um, in genders in mental health issues. Um, the study did not find any significant difference in the stressors um, between racial and ethnic groups. Um, likely, um, the paper proposes that like the homogeneous nature of like college and how like you are living in the same place um, and all come from like somewhat similar backgrounds or a lot of people do um, probably blunted those known differences um, between racial and ethnic groups um, and stressors from the pandemic. So more studies should be done on like wider populations that aren't just university students to address um, differences in stressors for racial and ethnic groups from the pandemic. Um, I looked at a study by Stevelton, Soria, and Huseman Jr. titled First Students or First Generation Students' Sense of Belonging, Mental Health, and Use of Counseling Services at Public Research Universities. Um, and researchers aim to discover the potential relationships between sense of belonging at college and mental health for first generation students. Researchers also wanted to understand how college counselors affect persistence and retention for first generation students. First generation students um, typically have lower retention than non-first generation students. So the study found that um, non-first generation and first generation students both have needs that are not, mental health needs that are not being met by um, any, the use of any services. Um, but first generation students do report slightly higher um, instances of needing services, but not using them. First generation students also tend to have lower ratings of sense of belonging and satisfaction than non-first generation students. Um, and they also found that sense of belonging is tied to mental health. So um, the lower your sense of belonging, the higher the correlation was in terms of depression level. Um, they also found that first-generation students have a higher frequency of feeling depressed than non-first-generation students. Importantly, they found that first-generation students were less likely than non-first-generation students to seek out counseling services at the school. Um, and first-generation students um, indicated needing but not using services at a higher rate, like I said. The most frequent reasons why were the location was inconvenient, they had never heard of the counseling services, the hours were inconvenient, or they did not have enough time. So largely factors that were outside of people's control. Navigators itself is pretty pointless. Um, I did not like any of them, but I did, one thing I didn't like was like, uh, we talked about like racism and stuff, like um, diversity and how to call in and call in, but not call out, whatever, shit like that. I did what I didn't like was that at the end of the class, classmate like some classmates they're like, oh, I didn't I felt like I didn't really need that. Like that was a really pointless conversation. Like no one needs to do training on like like maybe you yourself, you think that you know everything about diversity and shit, but at the end of the day you don't. Yeah, so I was just really annoyed about that. So I don't think the navigator helped me at all. Um and did not help me connect with my classmates <laughs> whatsoever. How comfortable are you to seek mental health? So growing up, I never had like a therapist or anything like because 
at home and I feel like with a lot of immigrant families like culturally mental health isn't um, acceptable it doesn't exist it's this bad thing um and everything like don't talk about your mental health um so growing up never really sought out for any professional help never talked to my teachers about help and whatnot until the pandemic was when I went to go see my wellness counselor at my new school over zoom because I was like I'm lonely I'm depressed I can't sleep I can't like there's everything I'm going like I'm going through so much with school closing being stuck at home all of the above so um the reason I like got the courage was because like I was just I knew that I was digging myself into a hole and I'm very self-aware of my emotions I just need like I just need to tell someone about it or else like it'll bubble up and I was really hesitant about like seeing someone because I just scared that they'd invalidate my feelings but I don't know there was just something like I just kind of knew that if I kept going the way like if I kept doing the same thing that I'm doing like with my feelings and stuff and not seeking help then I will end up digging myself into a deeper hole and probably not being able to get out of it. So I want to ask not just during the pandemic just in general have you used the counseling services if so can you describe your experience with that? Yeah, so I haven't, like, specifically used, like, Clark's, like, you know, like, like counseling, like, therapy services or whatever, but I have a lot of experience with, like, the Office of, like, Academic and Student Support, um, because I've been on academic probation a bajillion times, um, and so, like, every semester I'm required to, like, meet with someone, like, bi-weekly to, like, check in and make sure that, like, things are, like, going well, and for the first couple times that I was on probation, it was just, like, a grad student who, like, clearly, like, didn't, like care to be there just as much as I didn't care to be there. Like, we'd meet at, like, 1.30. I'd get there at 1.28. The meeting would be done by, like, 1.30 because we'd meet for two minutes. He, like, wouldn't look up from his laptop. He'd ask me, like, hey, um, like, are you okay? And I'd lie and say yes because, like, you know, he wasn't really pressing me for any more information and I didn't feel like he wanted to know even if I had anything to say. So after that, I got switched to be with, like, um, the head of that whole, like, department. And she like kind of handled things with me from there and I like built a personal relationship with her, but she's just one person and clearly a lot of other people in my position also like need to go to her for what, like for support because the other like, you know, grad students who are staffing that department can't like provide the same level of support and she's just one person. So like she's very busy all the time. So I like frequently she'll like have to miss meetings with me. She'll be late to meetings. She just like, generally seems really burnt out whenever I talk to her, which, like, makes me feel bad. Like, I'm not, I'm never mad at her because I know that she's basically in the same position that I am where, like, we're both at the whim of this university that's, like, not supporting us in the way that we need to be. So, like, she can't even be supported. How is she supposed to, like, single-handedly support all of these students in my position need it? And so, like, it's, it's a little bit frustrating, to say the least. Have you used uh, Clark's counseling services? Yes, I have. Can you describe your experience? It was okay. Like, I don't feel it was so helpful because I've stopped going there, but it was okay. And I got a little better. Why did you stop going to the Clark Counseling Services? Um, I stopped because I don't feel like it was helping me. I was going there and I wasn't seeing much improvements. Going from what um, Emma just said, um, 
my article also mentions the sense of belongingness. Um, the article that I chose um, is titled Stress and Depression in Undergraduate Students During the COVID-19 Pandemic, Nursing Students Compared to Undergraduate Students in Non-Nursing Majors by Lisa Black-Thomas. So basically in this um, research, they took the non-nursing major students and, they, and then the nursing students and they did a series of studies. One of them was the patient health questionnaire depression model to see what were they experiencing during the pandemic. Um, this was, um, this study was done in November, 2021. And what they found out was that um, the non-nursing students had a higher um, percentage of depression while the non-nursing had a low um, low percentage of depression, but had a high stress one. So what I read was that the non-nursing majors didn't feel depressed because they had support from their peers that also studied non-nursing. And it's just basically the nursing majors have this model that's called the cohort model, which typically refers to a group of students that they enter to this program together and they remain together through like a period of time. So let's just say it, it lasts like two to three years. So they're all together. And um, so, yeah, they just like, they create this sense of like belongingness and just they have a good relationship. And some of the um experiences that I read was that due to this relationship with another person they didn't feel depressed so basically the sense of belongingness having friends and having a support help the nursing majors not to feel depressed while the non-nursing students didn't have that because they don't have the cohort model and their education structure so I guess I'll go back to um kind of the university level again um, what do you think that the university could do to increase students' sense of belonging within the school community? I think that they're just like, like, like I said earlier, like more outreach. I think like more, like, like more people that aren't like just grad students whose like job is explicitly like to help support the student body, um, in ways that it's not just like one person taking on like all of these students' burdens because like, as much as, like, yeah, like, I'll, I'm sure a lot of these grad students, like, really, like, do want to, like, help students, they're also grad students, so, like, they also have, like, their own stuff going on, and also, like, are in a lot of ways not being supported by the university, so, like, they're, like, dealing with just as many issues as I am, so, like, I can't blame them for not being fully invested in my problems, and I can't blame, like, one woman who's fully invested in, like, a bajillion students' problems to be fully invested in my problems, you know, I just think that they, like, need more people who's, like, like, you know, are being paid by them and whose job description is to, like, support students in that way. Because I just think, like, ratio, like the ratio is, like, really off right now and it should not be, like, other students' job to, like, support others. I mean, like, it, it is in, like, a person-to-person -person level, but, like, like, grad students shouldn't be, like, put in the sole position of, like, having to help support these people when, like, they're also trying to support themselves. Did, I did have a pretty depressing first semester and I did appreciate the like 
forced like go talk to people for 50 mm-hmm. minutes because sometimes that would really be my only social interaction for like the day of that small period um but I didn't really uh enjoy it so much um I mean I was lucky I had a very good pair mentor who like helped us out a lot but it wasn't because of the structure of the system it was more because of that individual mm-hmm. um and I didn't particularly become like super close with uh most of the people in my group. I love both of your like discussions and papers on that like sense of belonging. I think a big stressor and something I know my interviewees and a couple of your interviewees um, talked about was when you get to college, that sense of like, you're not in your family anymore. You usually don't have many friends um, starting out. And so trying to make those friendships and make those bonds is really hard. And I feel like a lot of people have that feeling where like, oh, I didn't find my group of people in the first week. I'm never going to have friends. And that can lead to a lot of anxiety and depression. Um, and give it, knowing to like give it some time and like also knowing that like maybe the first group of people you meet are not going to be your best friends in the world um, is okay. So yeah, I feel like it's especially important for college students is that sense of like belonging and friendship because um, it can be hard to find. So my article was by Lindsay B. and Fabiano P. And it was titled as Prevalence and uh, Correlates of Depression Among College Students. The study main objective was to examine um, national college health assessment data to determine the prevalence and correlates of depression and depressive symptoms in college population. Um, it also, um, another goal was to investigate and contrast the health-related behavior and characteristics that are connected to academic performance in self-reported depressed and non-depressed students. Um, the study assessed the prevalence of uh, depression among a random sample of college students enrolled in a medium-sized university. And according to the findings, one in four students reported having depression in the previous year and men and um, women reported feeling depressed at equal rates. Um, The study also found evidence to support the idea that depressed students are more likely to have uh, various health issues and academic impairment than non-depressed students. So for example, they found that uh, depressed uh, students were more likely to experience learning difficulties, chronic pain, relationship issues, and uh, difficulty falling asleep. Um, They also found that women reported all symptoms more frequently than males, while depressed students reported all uh, symptoms more often than non-depressed students. Um, Men and women, or more likely to report having seriously considered suicide. Um, So one of the factors that lead to depression that the author talked about was uh, introversion and workload and reliance and uh, trouble adapting to a new environment and changing situations that a lot of uh, students experience in college. So the results also raised the possibility that campus environment may play a role in the unsettling mental and physical self-report curriculum and pedagogical issues that compromise student effort and well-being maybe among those contributing reasons. Um, On the topic of not being able to adapt to new college situations and like the sense of belonging from your papers, um, Emma and Julian, me and my interviewees talked about 
when you start to compare yourself academically to people around you, um, or even like, just like compare yourself in your head, be like, oh, I'm sure everyone around me is doing better than me, if you have low self-esteem, um, or if other people like got all the homework done and you couldn't over the weekend and feeling bad about that, um, that can sort of push you away from other people or like get you to push other people away, which then feeds back into that loop of depression and not belonging and not having friends. I'm feeling like you are worse than other people. Um, in addition, when it comes to belonging, there are, there are other like factors that um, affect like our sense of belonging. So for example, I mentioned how first generation students are more likely to be older than 18 to 22 more likely to be a non-native English speaker, more likely to be an immigrant, more likely to be a single parent, um, more likely to hold low income status. So like there are all these things that are not what you like, that are not like the quote unquote, like traditional college student. And so that in and of itself kind of creates a feeling of like difference for a lot of first gen students. And that can kind of affect their sense of belonging. So on a like a structural level, we have to really recognize that colleges can't just be a place for middle to upper class 18 to 22 year olds, that if we really want to have diversity, it can't just be like, it has to be diversity with everything. Within Clark University, other than the counseling services, I was able to find a lot of uh, student groups that are good for increasing that sense of belonging, that sense of uh, connection and community, um, and also just the, you know, having that safe space. Um, there's Black Student Union, International Students Association, PRISM, which is the LGBTQ plus um, group, the Arboretum Advocates of Clark University, uh, Amnesty International and Urban Gardeners who are focused on providing free food for Clark students in the community. Um, and then outside of Clark in the general Worcester area, there's Mutual Aid Worcester. You can go to their uh, Facebook page. They're just called Mutual Aid Worcester. Um, there's also the community fridges called Woo Fridge, um, which can also be helpful in terms of resources, specifically food, which can be a big stressor and definitely impacts mental health. You can go to woofridge.com. There are four locations throughout Worcester. Um, and you don't have to have any, um, you don't have to check off any demographics or any, you know, anything in order to get the food. You just go and you can get it. I wrote a link down, so maybe I'll just try to verbally direct you to it. So community gardens in Worcester, another good way to build that sense of community. Um, it's not costly. They provide you everything. Um, you can go to recworcester.org slash neighborhood gardens and they will connect you with a garden in the vicinity that you are willing to drive to. Um, and so all of these, um, for me, I try to center them around increasing that sense of belonging, having things that are accessible, having things that are uh, flexible and having things that are inclusive. Our main purpose in making this podcast is for the audience to raise awareness about depression. This topic was present before the pandemic However, now it has been exploded and people are experiencing more and more signs of depression. We also wanted to add experiences of people who openly accept that they have or had a period of depression since depression can affect everyone in different ways. 
This can also serve as an aid to identify if you're feeling depressed in any way. Finally, we talked about Clark's mental health services and resources outside of Clark for the general public of Massachusetts. Thank you for listening for, to our podcast. I hope this podcast was informative and I hope you all have a nice day.
while we are here, while we are here.